And we're live. The Buccaneers and the Cowboys have just finished. Four, how are you doing? Man, this is uh, this is going to be a somber edition of the pod today, man. I'm telling you, uh, that was a that was a tough loss. Where do you put the blame on that game, man? Final score, what was it for? I know the uh, Buccaneers had a late cover as well. Yeah, man. So, well, so first off, the final score was 31-14 uh, in favor of the Cowboys. Um, I want to say congratulations. I have quite a few Cowboys fans, uh, you know, friends, um, and I know I know they're happy. Um, their franchise has been through a lot, so can't say anything. They definitely outplayed us from the get-go. Um, I also just want to start off the pod here, too, with, you know, a little bit of a, a, a prayers up for Russell Gage, man. That was a very scary injury um not to compare it to demar hamlin but interesting that crazy that we would have that to happen you know as close as those two incidents have occurred and uh hopefully we'll get some positive updates man yes man one thing that i thought was very interesting at the end of this game the over under was set at 45 and a half and it didn't look like the over or under it didn't look like the over was going to hit and man that the last few points by Tampa man made it a lot closer I'm sure some of us uh, out there bought the point so that was really cool to see man just how close that number line was right yeah to talk about the betting line man I definitely would have to say uh if you had the over you're 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 definitely very happy about that um yeah it was it was an interesting game all around um you know I think for about three quarters it was the opposite of every game we've had this weekend, right? It was extremely one-sided. Um, there was no hope for a comeback. Um, and honestly, even when the Bucks started in the final three, four minutes of the game starting to get it rolling, um, it was just a little too late. They, they really had a missed opportunity with Mike Evans' uh, first play after they recovered the onside kick. That really could have been something there. But once again, still down um, multi-score. So, you know, um, it was just one of those things. Kind of summed up our season. We kind of ended the season the way the entire season had been going, right? Mike Evans, Tom Brady, there's no connection there anymore. Really, what was your takeaway from this season before we dive deeper into this Dallas Cowboys squad? Yeah, I I mean, gosh, where do I begin, right? Um, I would have to say, man, my biggest takeaway from the season is – in my opinion, Tom Brady's the greatest to ever do it. I don't think it's debatable. I think if you do try to debate that at this point, you should be laughed at. There's nobody. I mean, you can go through just decades of his career, and he's the greatest against other quarterbacks in their entire career. So uh, Tom is the greatest of all time. He was the greatest before he ever came to Tampa. Um, he'll be the greatest when he leaves Tampa. Um, that said, my biggest takeaway is this should be the last game we see, we see Tom Brady quarterbacking for the Buccaneers. I am grateful for what he's brought to our franchise. You know, I, I, I mean, goodness, who wouldn't be, right? A Super Bowl, playoffs again. But that comes with a lot of bad football, man, especially this season. I understand the numbers were good if you look at the touchdown to INT ratio and the yardage. But you're not going to you're not going to be able to convince me that he was a good football player this year, man. I, I, I didn't see it. I watched every snap and man, it was really tough to watch him try to throw that football at times. And I'm, I'm definitely hoping for a mutual breakup heading into the offseason. Wow. There is something that I would add, man. 
there was something I saw, and it was Tom Brady is three and three against the spread in the wild card round in his career. Did you know that going into this game? I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. What was that, man? Yes, Tom Brady is three and three against the spread in the wild card round going into this game. So that was it. He was three and three against the spread. That is interesting, man. You know, I think. Uh... The spread, you know, obviously set, gave gave the Bucks some points. Um, I I hammered them all day. Um, I'm gonna finish. I mean, that was my my one of my most confident picks of the week, right? So I believe I finished five and one on Wild Card Weekend with betting predictions. Um, this was this one definitely hurt more than a lot of a lot worse, man. I'd probably trade those uh, those five wins there for a win tonight, but uh, it wasn't meant to be. And uh, yeah, man, I. I, it's weird, right? Because when that final snap occurs, you realize, man, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get to go watch them next Sunday try to fix the mistakes that were made today. And uh, when it hits the off season, man, it's real bittersweet because you're you're grateful for the season, you're grateful for another division title, you're grateful for a playoff game, but man, do you just want to see them get back out there? Um, it feels like we have for the second consecutive year following that Rams game last season unfinished business and it really does feel like the best tampa bay team that we could have put together out there wasn't out today well both games were at home and i would say transitioning into the dallas cowboys man did they travel well today this sounded like a very pro dallas cowboys crowd did you catch that absolutely man i i will say till i'm red in the face that it's tough being a bucks fan and watching that stadium go to the other team's colors on a week it's not just the Dallas thing. If Denver comes to town, it's forty percent orange in there, and it doesn't matter what our record it is. It doesn't matter the stakes of a game. It truly is not a great home field advantage. Um, which honestly, you can go back to their Super Bowl year, where everyone made a big deal about us getting our home Super Bowl, even though it was during that COVID year where they limited attendance. Honestly wouldn't have made much of a difference so just had to throw that in there get a little rant there i I love my buckaholics i love my buccaneers fans out there but it's tough uh in tampa to watch that from afar you know well said uh for are you seeing any of the uh, chat boxes for this uh twitter space is that available i'm not seeing it Uh, it's not a big deal but just you know for any of our listeners that want to comment just go ahead and request and and we'll take your request that way right absolutely feel free to request raise a hand and we'll absolutely get you on this is a reaction episode for us right so while it's an official episode it's definitely a a recap of the week and a recap of uh the bucks and the boys i think we've got you know a few things that we should talk about though tonight in terms of different different storylines heading out of this game but um you know a lot about me man what did you take away man do you have any uh takeaways on the side of things that you want to kind of bring up on the table i gotta say man i'm in pure utter shock the last time the cowboys won a road playoff game i believe it was january 17th 1993 man that's 29 years ago and uh i wasn't even born <laughs> Yeah, man, it was a long time ago. I think I would have been almost a month. Yeah, I would have been almost one month older. Actually, no correction. I wouldn't have been. I'm a December 93 birthday, so <laughs> what am I thinking of? But, man. And you were you were, you were there, man. You, you had your star jersey on, man. You were 
I was thinking about it, man. I got to say, this game was really all about Dak Prescott and, and Washington's own Kellen Moore, man. Uh, he's from the east side of Washington, but you know what? He's he's still a Washingtonian, and we embrace all Washingtonians here on this podcast, man. So great game by Kellen Moore, man, and Coach Mike McCarthy. Five touchdowns, though, for Dak Prescott, man. Wow, did not see that coming. Hey, I just have to throw this in here, man. Kellen Moore might have beaten tonight but he'll never take away losing to our alma mater high school man in the state championship for washington so we will always have that over kellen moore man no matter how much it hurts <laughs> yeah he only went on to you know becoming become one of the winningest coach uh, winningest players actually in college football at boise state but you know what that's all right that's neither here there or near there Hey, real quick, that might be a career retrospective we need to deep dive down, man, because if you look at his career and his college, collegiate level career and what he accomplished, my goodness, man, is that is that just a fun, awesome uh, football well, player, right? I believe that would actually be one of the best blogs to write for our website, which we'll be launching here shortly. And you know what? Like we said, just a reminder, we're now on Spotify, Daily Football Report. This is episode nine, by the way, as well. And, yeah, I mean, ultimately, what a showing by Dallas. And Kellen Moore, that would be a great blog. I think we should definitely definitely put that together, especially before he takes a head coaching job. Legend has it he interviewed for a few positions last year and didn't get any offers, right? Yeah, yeah, he definitely did do interview. I actually think he's interviewed, if I'm not mistaken, the previous two seasons. Um, and he just hasn't been able to find the right fit for him. Um, but I think after tonight's performance, uh, it's going to be very hard to deny that man a coaching job. Um, you know, it's it's not a basic. I mean, wh- whether you want to call it a basic offense or not, um, it's it's a two headed monster at running back, and um, they use the run perfectly to set up the play action. You see some of the plays Dak made tonight, some of the biggest plays of the game, all set up on the threat of that run with Pollard or uh, Zeke. And uh, you got to give him a ton of credit, man. He called a perfect game against this Tampa defense. Uh, I wanted to also say another to praise him as well. Uh, he kept finding spots in Tampa's zone defense, and that was just something. I mean, they were adapting on the fly. And maybe this is a transition, you know, from Kellen Moore here. Um, definitely can talk a little bit more about him in a minute. But Todd Bowles is supposed to be a defensive guru, and I'm watching him for four hours not be able to figure out this passing attack and make zero adjustments it was a very tough watch for me being a fan and seeing this happen all year what did you also see the same thing did you see just todd bulls once again getting out coached at a professional level i mean you can have that take ultimately what i saw was just a mismatch at the receiving end I think Dallas's receivers were just better than uh, the Bucks secondary today, right? So if you look at one of the touchdowns, it even went through Carlton Davis's hands. I mean, I know, I know you're not going to like what I have to say, but man, Dallas just dominated today. And I really think the ultimate turning point was the fourth and goal naked bootleg rushing touchdown for Dak Prescott. I think that really cemented Dallas coming here to play and coming here to win. Did you see that play? Oh man, I saw that play. Yeah, I, I think that was a huge moment in the game. Um, I think that I think you're right. I think that showed um, that they that they came out aggressive and that they wanted to play aggressive. And uh, man, that right there, that was you could say that was the dagger. I also want to also give them credit um, for the fourth down pass conversion as well that they had when 
had not to, I believe it was to uh, CD Lamb. So two crucial fourth downs. Tampa had opportunities. You can, I mean, we had how many missed extra points tonight? I can't believe we're probably 15 minutes into this and we haven't even talked about this. But man, how many extra points were missed tonight by uh, Maher? Yeah, I believe he missed four PATs. However, it just didn't matter at the end of the day, right? I mean, you're focusing on these uh, really small, you know, just blemishes on the car, some dents, right? I'm looking at what else is it? Is the engine good, right? <laughs> uh, what's the what's the car's mileage, man? So ultimately, man, these Cowboys were just humming today, and I got to give them all the credit out there. They they played very well today, and. Ultimately, this was just the Tampa Bay team we've seen all season. And Dallas, again, it seems like they were almost uh, saving up all their energy here the last few weeks for this playoff game. But I would say this was the best I've ever seen Dak play, bar none. I, I get the take, man. I, I understand where people are coming at. Uh, that that, But I just want to throw this out here. This is a very predictable Tampa defense. It's a lot of great players. I still believe Vita Vea is the best defensive tackle in football. I don't even think it's close. Um, there's nobody that can stuff the run like he can. But to avoid that tangent, let me just go back to my original thought here of it's not a very good defense. It's not, a, it's not schemed very well. Like You can figure us out, and we're not going to adjust for four quarters. Dak figured us out. It looked a little bit rough in the first, you know, the first quarter. I mean, it really wasn't a great performance by Dak right out of the gate. Um, and the problem there is we couldn't get a first down, you know, what felt like for three quarters, right? So our defense started to get gassed and that along with, honestly, a terrible defensive scheme today. Um, it, it's going to make Dak look good. I guarantee you next Sunday – uh, it's not going to be easy, and I, and it's not going to look the same because that 49ers defense will be schemed well, and the playmakers will not allow this game to get out of hand. And so, yeah, great game for Dak. Can't take that away from him. But I do think we got to look at the big picture and realize Todd Bowles made absolutely no adjustment for four quarters of football. Yeah, that might be. That might be. But, I mean, ultimately it came down to three touchdowns that they gave up in the first half. If one of those touchdowns is a field goal or, you know, not a touchdown, man, I mean, that momentum is a lot better going into half for Tampa. But three touchdowns in the first half while your offense has put up zero points is just a lot to overcome. And not, unless you're Trevor Lawrence, of course. Look, man, you know, I, I could have wished I had Trevor out there at times. I can't believe I'm saying that, but my goodness, Trevor could do something Brady couldn't, you know, and he could actually come back in a game. But, no, I, I got to watch that. But I will say this, man, uh, do you have one big moment, or I guess not moment, but one big takeaway leaving this game? We've kind of talked about each individual game this weekend and the biggest thing that we pulled from it. What is your question or your thought or your thing that you want to pull that, that you're wondering? I do have one. I think you and I discussed this a few weeks back off the air that I mentioned where, look, the thing with Brady is this year, yeah, they're losing games, but it's not that. It's a bigger problem. The issue is he's yelling at his teammates and they're not liking it. They're grown men. They won a Super Bowl with this guy. And ultimately, I think what happened was it just seemed that Brady lost the locker room. 
The locker room knew Brady was trying to go to Miami and coach up with Sean Payton. The locker room knew he only retired to kind of get out of Tampa, right? So I think the thing is, man, is it's just seemed that he did his teammates wrong and he did his coaches wrong. He got Bruce Arians booted. We all know that. It's a well-known uh, conspiracy theory. But it's it's kind of just out there, man. And I think Tom just became bigger than football in his head and, you know, in the Florida area and even at the national level. Right. So that's kind of how we treat him. And ultimately, that was my takeaway. My takeaway was team chemistry is essential to winning the Super Bowl, as we've seen with those Giants teams, man. And that's kind of what I've seen on this uh, with this Giants squad. Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley on the flight back. They were, you know, they're studying the film game. And it looked like they came into Minnesota with the mission and they came out with mission accomplished. But it's one game at a time, man. And that was really my takeaway. It seemed that Dallas had more team chemistry today than than Tampa Bay did. All right. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I I would say it's a tough one for me because I truly feel like Tampa has a great locker room and I truly feel like we have a very good team chemistry. I just think there's a few how do I say this? A few things that are really killing the mojo inside that Tampa Bay locker room. First, and I wrote these three points down. They all kind of relate. So if, if you're okay, I got I got three takeaways from this game that I think of need course. to be discussed and need to be. Of course, yeah. go for it. Uh, first one. Yeah, first one. The biggest, we, we lost a lot of games this year. You know, we lost more than we won. But. The, the biggest winner of this season was a man who didn't even play or coach on this team, and that was Coach Bruce Arians. He is the biggest winner of the season. He looks like a million bucks right now. Brady has egg on his face. You've got Bulls over here who, nice guy. I really don't like disparaging him as a coach, but my goodness, it's he's not a head coach in this league. I'm not going to hear it anymore. I'm not going to make excuses. I was a big Bulls fan. It's just not there. He's a defensive coordinator at best. Also, you know, Byron Leftwich, man, extremely limited. We used to think Byron ran that offense and that Brady ran that offense. If that is the case, they ran it terribly because I'm looking at this season and I'm watching an inept offense that can't move the ball down the field consistently and can't connect with with any deep plays whatsoever. There's a zero run game. It's all centered around passing, which is why we were the lowest ranked rushing team in the league. And under Bruce Arians, under the no risk it, no biscuit offense, sure, there were some frustrating plays. But my goodness, it moved. It moved. You want to talk about Lambos and Ferraris and well-oiled machines? That offense was a well-oiled machine. And I think... My biggest takeaway from this game is if you're Tampa, can you lure him out of retirement? Can he come back? You know, that, that to me is the biggest thing because I don't know what other coach is going to come to town if they even want to remove Byron. You know, I know he's got ties to the community and same with, you know, Bowles. Like, I, I think they're really good dudes and I think they have a lot of support in the locker room, but this isn't working. Go get Arians. Keep the coaching staff intact, but bring back Arians. Give him 100% control of the team. This leads into my second point, man. Tom Brady. All right. Love you, Tom. You're the GOAT, but you got to go. This should be the very last time we watch Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. It's not working. We need a quarterback that 
can get the ball to these playmakers before it's too late. We're, we don't have a lot of years left of Evans in his prime and Godwin and Lenny and even White. I'm Honestly, White might be our on-field player of the year. So, you know, we got to move on. we got to find someone else. And then the, the, my final point of this game was that, honestly, you know, it's it's a tragic end two years in a row. But I still think the future is bright in Tampa. We still got a very good roster. And the NFC South is an absolute train wreck. So don't write us off yet. Well said. Well said, Ned. Let's go ahead and transition to Dallas. Do you think this is a legacy-building win for Coach Mike McCarthy, man? Uh, I don't know. I, I do not. I think that this was a game that people are hyping up how well they performed, but they're not looking at the fact that this was a in, in the regular season for um, the Dallas Cowboys here, uh, 13 and four versus Tampa's eight and nine record. You had a 13 and four team beat up on an eight and nine team. If I tried to pitch this at a, a room full of a bar table, if I'm at a bar and I'm talking with a bunch of sports fans and I bring up, man, career defining moment or career legacy defining game, no, it's just not viable. This was a 13-4 and four team beating an 8-9 and nine team. That should happen, and it did happen, man, and it happened very quickly. Well said. Well said. I mean, that makes – what are what are your thoughts, man? Are you are you really just are you are you buying the you know the what Mike McCarthy is? Well, let me ask you one question. All right, I know you like UFC and you're a big fight fan, right? So I'm a, I'm gonna ask you oh, a four yeah. part question. Who won the first quarter between Dallas and Tampa? Ah, man, that's tough. I I I mean, you, you're forcing my hand here. I would say it was very close. The closest okay. quarter. Who? Honestly, right. the fourth. But yeah. Okay. That, Okay, yeah, who Dallas. won the second quarter? Oh, not even close. Dallas All right, Dallas. who won the third quarter? Uh, I, I, it was close, it man. Close. It was Dallas. Who won the fourth quarter? The third quarter was a 6-6 six, six, uh, uh, yeah, quarter. Or, come on, man. The eye test. Dallas controlled the clock all. They had, as you would say in the fight game, ground control all third quarter, pal. All right. And then, Real quick, man. You, you, you brought up, you just brought up, MMA, man. You told me I'm a big MMA fan. You're sounding like some of these MMA judges, man. Who's paying I'm off? I'm just calling it like I see it, pal. Who won the fourth quarter? Oh, man, this is where it gets okay. weird, right? Point by All right, Tampa. so you're telling me that Dallas outplayed them for three of the four quarters, and you're over here trying to convince me that Dallas did not dominate this game. Look, if, if games were won by quarters won, I actually think you could make an argument, as crazy as it sounds, Tampa won the game. All right. Because here's why. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Before you jump down my throat on this one, Tampa outscored him in the fourth. So I'm going to give him the edge. The third quarter was a tie, an absolute tie. Like they they both scored the same amount of points. Zero sense, sir. They were up 18 nothing at half. That made zero sense for it. Come on, man. They they even won by 17 points, man. (laughs) No, no. I understand what you're saying. That first quarter. Look, that first quarter was extremely close. That's all I'm going to say, man. A lot of missed opportunities. You're also forgetting about the Bucks drove down and had it at the goal and line. 
if Tom Turned didn't make over. a bad throw and we settled there at 6-3, it's a completely different yes. ball game. Or if we had a quarterback actually find and that could actually move outside well, the pocket. You're right, sir. You're depth. telling me that the Cowboys hit him with a big punch at the end of the quarter and got the ball back, right? So that means they stole the round, okay? And so, yeah, man, I think that's really the biggest takeaway of this game, man, is – this was a good win for Dallas and all of their fans. I have to give us a lot of credit to them. You and I both uh, ragged on Dallas. We had them. I had them very, very low in my rankings, in the power rankings. So maybe when we update our power rankings this week with the remaining teams, I will. Uh, I'll have to reassess where I put Dallas, man. Did you have any other topics you wanted to touch on tonight? No, man, other than, uh, you know, the power ranking comments kind of kind of interesting there because we both did have them relatively low. I will say, um, you know, I think you're buying a little bit more of the Dallas Cowboy juice than I am. I think, you know what, they go out there and they impress me against San Francisco. Obviously, they're one game away at that point, but I'll eat my words. I just I don't see it. I don't see this being even remotely a team that can compete well, with the 49ers. Well, I mean, one of the biggest takeaways I have, and I really should have assessed this because I've seen this year over year over year, the NFC East was really the best division in all of football, right? That being said, the thing is, Super Bowl winning teams, they come from the best divisions or the top two or top three divisions in all of football. We've seen this year over year, all right, iron sharpens iron. And we've seen that with the NFC East. Three of the final four NFC teams are the three NFC teams that made the playoffs, right? We need to give this division some more respect. All of these teams are good. It's safe to say, man, I think you absolutely nailed that. I mean, iron does sharpen iron. And, man, we're just a few years removed, friend. You remember the NFC least? And how that used to be completely, you know, that's what they were known as, right? And we've been completely removed. Well, we from can make that. the argument that the Washington Commanders really should have made the playoffs this year as well, right? They were close. They were there at the final peak. You're hundred percent right. Honestly, if, if they had uh, not made it, made that boneheaded decision to go over to uh, Carson Wentz, uh, they they could have been right in the mix too. Yeah, you know, and just like I just plugged my quarterback Taylor Heineken, I'm gonna go ahead and plug the great Smoke and Jay Cutler. All right, just for all those Bears fans out there and the NFC North fans and the Vanderbilt fans, man, just we know out there somewhere Jay Cutler is smoking a cigarette, right? Wow. Hey, I. I'm so sorry, man. I, I absolutely love the Jay Cutler reference, but I am having a little bit of breaking news that's coming out, man. Do you want me to uh, to break? Of course, this? yeah. This is the first time hearing. Go for it. All right, yeah. This is this is literally out of a, uh, a Buccaneers group chat that I'm in. Um, Scott Reynolds from the Pewter Report. They're actually a very reputable Buccaneers news site. That's where I get a lot of my stuff. They were the first ones to report on Ryan Jensen coming back. The breaking news, the Bucks are expected to fire offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich. Wow. That, do you think he's in a – if he's the right fire or is he just an escape goat here? That makes Definitely no scapegoat because – well, yes, but uh, yeah, I, I'm trying to collect my thoughts because this is literally the first time I'm hearing this. Byron, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I think that he was a big problem. I, I'm going to argue this, though. How much of that was Byron's play calling and how much of that was catered to what Brady wanted, right? So I'm a little bit not sold on that being the answer. Uh, 
if you're going to fire Byron, why are we keeping Todd? And, and who knows if they are keeping Todd? That might just be the first that we're hearing of this. Um, and maybe the Todd Bowles domino will fall. Um, I don't understand. They're very much tied at the hip under the Bruce Arians regime. And I don't see how that could be good for any locker room chemistry. So very interesting, man. Do you... Do you have anything there? Is this is this crazy well, to you? First off, I just thought of a great hashtag. Hashtag fire and Byron. Hashtag hire and Byron. Right? So I know that's awful, but again, I think Leftwich has shown to really call a balanced game last year. Not so much this year, right? It just seemed like the run game really didn't get together. I don't know if you want to blame Leonard Fournette. I don't know where that goes. The offensive line was in and out. This was just a tough year to assess, man. I mean... Yeah, I really would have to kind of go into a pure deep dive, assess every game week by week and look at the box scores and the analytics, right? What do you think? I think you're spot on. I just wanted to add too, man, you were giving Byron some praise there. I I, I think we forget Byron Leftwich was, gosh, a uh, contract away, literally uh, a plane, plane ride away from being the Jacksonville head coach over Doug Peterson. Um, he actually had a verbal agreement signed with them last season. And uh, I don't remember what came of it. I can't remember what the sticking point was um, on that, but it was definitely something he was going to take over the Jacksonville Jaguars. And for a while we thought we had lost him to Jacksonville. So very interesting, man. Uh, I'm a little bit taken back by the news. I'll probably need to have it settle in a bit um, because I think there's a lot of dominoes there that will need to fall with this news of, of Byron, you know, leaving Tampa. But um, yeah, man, is there is there uh, any more reaction or any more news that you wanted to discuss, man? Was there any hot topics out there that you wanted to? I kind of think into? one of the uh, trackers we might have to keep up to date on because we're all about coaches here and we're all about you know, hey, the next position's opening up and. Who's filling that? How about Coach Cliff Kingsbury, man? He's also only a flight away, just like Byron was. And the thing about Cliff, he's only on, what, day one or day two out there in Thailand, and it looks like he's having fun. We'll see. I really do think Cliff doesn't love coaching as much as the Belichicks and these older coaches like the Bruce Arians, right? These are workaholic coaches who are in there putting in the 16, 17, 18-hour days. The Sean Paytons. Sean Payton talked about how there were multiple games, multiple divisional games, especially where he would actually sleep in the office. And the only time is he would wake up and he would go home and have breakfast with his kids and his wife only to go back to the office. And so I, I think that's really one of those things that's kind of kept under wraps. I know your mad scientist, coach Mike McDaniel talked about the toughest part about becoming a head coach is now people can tell if he hasn't showered in a day or two days or whatever. Right. But these coaches, they work hard. They work long days. Yeah. They love what they do, but it's also a very high stress job as we've seen with Coach Hackett, right? Hackett struggling. A lot of these younger coaches. We'll see really, um, you know, where these openings go. And I think I'm looking forward to doing more deep dives and analysis. I know Coach Mike Kafka, I think his stock went up for the New York Giants. Look at the game he called. I wanted him to call lots of run plays for Dan Jones, and he did. So let's see. I think Byron would be just fine if, if he is fired. Yeah, man, that's a, that's a lot right there, and I, I I love that. I think that was good that you brought that up about Mike Kafka because, my goodness, if anyone's uh, stock was raised this weekend, 
after that game, you have to give it to him, man. And it's going to be interesting to see if he finds a spot um, over the next couple weeks while dominoes begin to fall here. But, um, yeah, I completely agree. I think the coaching search is still going on. I do think the one thing that I wanted to bring up, man, was uh, uh, it looks like I saw a report uh, a little bit earlier today that Harbaugh is staying at Michigan. I feel like every three days this changes. I feel like I'm back in 2007 dealing with Brett Favre retirement rumors, and I don't know what's true and what's not. I'm beyond but, glad uh, that because that was the exact same thought I had. I was going to say, really, what's the difference between Coach Jim Harbaugh and Brett Favre, just a few uh, legal troubles, honestly. That's really the only difference between the two. They're, they're the same oh, person, man. it seems like, right? Coach Harbaugh, though, turns around places and, and gets them where they got to get to, though. But uh, continue your point, sir. Thank you. No, no, I think you had a good point there. I mean, uh, Brett, you know, Harbaugh turns places around and uh, Brett Favre takes money from places so very similar there too so uh <laughs> i i hate to make fun of something like that brett Favre is one of my favorite quarterbacks uh, on the field uh of all time but um yeah i think we're just kind of you know gonna have to sit here and wait i mean is this uh is this michigan gave him a little bit more money is this michigan gave him an extension or is this hey i'm playing hardball with another team in the nfl um, and I need a little bit more from you. So I don't know if this is the truth. Love Harbaugh to death, but I, I'm really starting to think this is just a big business ploy. Ultimately, I would say, look, there's a reason Harbaugh wins everywhere he goes. He's playing chess. Others are playing checkers. It seems like he does this every year, and he does this to stronghold the Michigan boosters and the Michigan fans, all right? He feels at times he's underappreciated, and I really think he did this just to kind of divert our attention from the TCU choke job that his team had in the, in the playoffs, okay? And, and think of it, a brilliant marketing plan because I haven't even thought about the TCU game. I've only been thinking about Harbaugh. Is he coming to the NFL? And where is he going? You know, that, that is so true. I, real quick, I don't know, Goggin, if you've seen this as well. Uh, one of our listeners in the chat right now, Kivante, man, giving me a bunch of crying emojis every time I mention Harbaugh's name, man. I feel your pain. Uh, I understand. But you know what? You're in a good spot now. You guys are, uh, you know, to kind of wrap this all around and bring it back up. You guys are looking like you're in great shape. You're an accident waiting to happen away from finding yourself in a conference title game uh, with Mr. Irrelevant. I think that's pretty darn cool, man. So I just had to give uh, give a shout out to Cuvante here because that was making me laugh watching all the crying emojis coming in, thinking about the hard bodies. Honestly, if I'm Cuvante and all of these 49ers fans that we have on the pod, the last thing I want to see is the New York Giants coming into town in the NFC title game in San Fran and the ghost of Kyle Williams striking. Oh, no. That, that, was, that was fantastic. Man, I knew right away who you were bringing up. That, whew, Let's just hope there's no punting going on. For those on. of you that aren't aware, a few years back, several years back, there were two back-to-back punt return muffs by Kyle Williams, and he cost Alex Smith at the time and the Niners a trip to the Super Bowl, right? And the Giants went on to win the Super Bowl. That's one of the most insane uh nfc title games man like you know that kind of gets overshadowed because we got into the seahawks and niners after that but 
if you go back and even watch those highlights, I'll tell you that Niners team really could have gotten it done with Alex Smith, especially when you look at how bad the Patriots came out. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. But, man, I can talk old football all day. You know what I mean? Agreed. I mean, one of the deep dives we really should do is Alex Smith, man. That's definitely at the top of our agenda. Just ultimately one of the top tier quarterbacks. We forget that he was drafted number one overall over Aaron Rodgers. And he was just dominant at Utah, only to go on to be a very subpar quarterback for several years and then turning things around when Coach Jim Magic Touch Harbaugh came into town, right? The magic touch, man. He was he was written off. I mean, you're kind of understating that, if anything, man. They were talking about this guy being out of 32 quarterbacks in the league. They were talking about him at 32 and honestly 33 at times. I mean, he was not given any love by anyone. And I remember... Uh, I believe uh, they went, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they were 5-11 and 11 or 6-10, and 10, and then Harbaugh came to town, and instantly with Alex Smith, you know, we're in Seattle. We're watching a lot of NFC West. We're like, where is this coming from? The defense is playing better. The offense is moving. Alex Smith looks like a very competent quarterback, and, you know, the rest is history with him, but he was, man, honestly, he if he didn't get Harbaugh, Alex Smith would be discussed as one of the biggest draft busts. He would be up there with Ryan Leaf and, you know, Jamarcus Russell. I mean, that's that's just the truth of it. You're right, though. I mean, that's the magic touch of Jim Harbaugh, man. He really does wear you out. He annoys people. He irritates people. But his energy and his expertise is infectious. And he, he turns places around, and at the end of the day, man, the guy wins games, all right? Everyone talks about Andrew Luck, but Andrew Luck really wasn't the same without Coach Harbaugh, right? You know, it's funny, man. You keep, you keep saying anything he touches, you know, turns to, turns to gold. You know, one could say it turns to garnet and gold, right? Because, my goodness, man, he's just out here flipping franchises around like the Niners, and, and now you've got, obviously, what he's done with Michigan, and I just think the NFL world's going to be a better place if we can get Harbaugh back into the league. Um, you know, it seems like an every-year thing that's going to happen, but, um, you know, we'll have to wait and see. There's still a lot of openings. Nothing's been filled yet. Rumors of Sean Payton going everywhere have been talked about. I just heard a rumor that the, the Panthers were likely to get him. It's just crazy right now. In the well, final takeaway from that comment that I have as well, just like in all things life, the NFL is cyclical, right? We went through several years of college coaches, the Chip Kellys, the Harbaugh's, a lot of them coming and failing. And now we're going through a young, really quarterback tree of the Sean McVay's. And we'll see what happens next. Ultimately, I wonder if we'll see a revert back to old coaches. I don't know what it would take. It would probably take a, I don't know, some sort of old coach coming back and winning some games, right? I don't know if I see that happening. But we see it in football. We've seen it at all sorts of positions. I kind of feel like the NFL went through a long period of smaller receivers, shorter receivers, quicker receivers. A lot of the screen game, especially nowadays. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I think a lot of, ultimately any quarterback that comes in and has success nowadays has to be able to evade the rush, get out of the pocket, and also be able to throw the pocket, throw in the pocket and be mobile. So I don't know, man, we're just seeing evolution at every position in every coaching position. You see what I'm saying? I think you've absolutely nailed it, man. I mean, we've got a lot of mad scientists running around now, and it seems like every team and, and obviously this isn't true for all teams, but it seems like a lot of teams are starting to find 
these these OCs or these these younger guys, and they're coming in. You look at the Zach Taylors, you look at the Mike McDaniel, you look at the you, you can look really on any team. I mean, Hackett's a bad example, but for the most part, it, it seems to be working out. Um, younger guys, more uh, progressive schemes in a sense, more open to the idea of trying uh, different schemes, a different little bit more risk. And right? so, I yeah, just like to, uh, younger people taking yeah. over the podcast game, perhaps as well. Right. We're seeing that. Well, man, like even, you know, we're watching the game pass and we've talked about this off the pot. I want to be 100 percent transparent because we are football fans. We've t- we've, we've talked about this. We're watching the game kind of pass Bill Belichick by, and honestly, we could do a whole episode on this, but just to kind of give you a little bit of what we've discussed is it's like, you know, it used to be rare to see Bill Belichick lose to any coach. I mean, for years, and he was always the smartest man on the field. 2020, 2019, 2018, I don't know if that's true anymore. You even look at uh, his final few years with Brady, even when the year they won the Super Bowl uh, against the Rams. I would argue that McVeigh still called a better game to an extent, and that was probably McVeigh's worst game. So it's one of those things, man, you know, not to go on a little tangent here as we like to do, but yeah, the younger coaches are taking over the league. I think it's going to be interesting to do. Do the do you do this the big hire here with uh, with with the Sean Payton and the Harbaugh, or do you go find these offensive coordinators, these you know these Kafkas, these these guys that are really really trying to change football, you know? Agreed. And then again, also, I mean, we'll have to do a complete count, but it just seems like a very high percentage of the coaches are also offensive minded as well. That's been a shift just with the rule changes, right? It's very difficult for the coaches on the defensive side. However, I will say it seems like these playoffs, the refs have been told to kind of let a lot of things go. We're not seeing the uh, the pass interferences that have been called all season. But at least, you know, the referees have been consistent, right? I think we talk about this as long as it's consistent and it makes sense. That's fine by us. Yes, man. So I think I think we pretty much covered uh, a lot of the news. You know, obviously we're a daily pod, so we've covered a lot. If there's something that we're not getting uh and you're a listener and you're like man you guys aren't talking about this enough please 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 like we were on spotify um reach us reach out to us on spotify twitter um let us know we ha- we, we want comments our website is going to be based around that so we're going to be able to have feedback given so um we we, we want to know what what you want to hear us talk about what you want to hear us do a little bit of research on deep dive into um and yeah, man, I, I think we did a really good recap of uh, of the Bucks. Honestly, their whole season, in, in, in the sense of talking about what it's you know me giving my take of what it's like to be a Bucks fan, especially after this year. Um, I don't take playoff games for granted, man. I, I sat through a decade of not having them growing up, and that will really change your perspective on um, when you get one. So yeah, it was a bad game. Yeah, we lost. Still grateful we had it. What a season! Another NFC South titled secure. Um, yeah, I, I, I got to wait now. It's an off season, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy. That's good, man. At least Tom Brady didn't go out like the great Jake DeLome did, my all-time favorite player, my all-time favorite quarterback, who threw five picks against the Arizona Cardinals. That was tough, man. That was one of the most stacked Carolina teams I've uh, been a fan of. But that's all right. Any final words you got today, Fofo? I know it's a somber, somber episode for you, man, and your Bucks lost. 
you know what, man? I think uh, I guess I got one last thing we can quickly discuss uh, before that we we turn the pot off for the evening. But do you have a team now, man? I mean, I know one of your seven teams is still remaining in it with Buffalo. But do you have a team that you're rooting for to get it done this season, man? Is there? Are you jumping on? You know, every year I think every fan does this. We we want it to be our team, right? We want it to be the team. I wanted the Bucks to go all the way and win it. That's not happening, obviously, after tonight. Do you have a little bandwagon team you're jumping on for the rest of the year? Well, last year, as we've discussed before, it was Joe Burrow, the Cigars, and the Cincinnati Bengals. They didn't play as well as I would have liked them to play against the Ravens, right? They really should have lost that Ravens game. I kind of have to still stick with Burrow. I kind of like the idea of a revenge tour. We really don't know how good a coach Zach Taylor is. But he has to be pretty good. That being said, he does have Burrow, right? It's just hard to really evaluate how much of Burrow's success is Coach Zach Taylor. But, I mean, ultimately, I don't know. I I guess the Bengals for me, man. You got one? Man, I love that you win AFC. um, And that's just fantastic. I'm glad you all the I think it's enough. And out of the NFC, if I had to pick one, we've mentioned this. This is maybe my only bet that hit this weekend. Coach Brian Dayball and the revving up Jim Carrey-esque Daniel Jones. Man, Saquon Barkley. I think they're going to get it done. I don't know. This is just the Giants. This is what they do, right? So those are my two squads that I like in the Super Bowl to me. You, uh, you tell me who you like, man. Who you got? Look, man, hey, I, I had to rev it up for Dayball there too, man. Uh, I really – that um no man look in terms of my afc pick i really i I, i've been called uh over the last 24 hours a Bengals hater Uh, i think that is crazy because i am i'm not a massive Bengals fan man but uh my my football number in high school was 85 i am a massive chad johnson fan i used to watch Bengals highlights on the daily growing up so you know, and and last year I was actually rooting for him. I couldn't, I can't stand the Rams. Um, I was by, I was so upset after the, they robbed us. I've never seen a robbery that bad, man. It felt like a bank heist when they came and the refs gave that win to the Rams over uh, my Buccaneers last year. But yeah, I would I, say for the AFC, man, I'm also on the Bengals wagon. I, I would like to get one. Um, NFC, oh, man. Don't you love Brock Purdy? I mean, I'm telling you, there's something special about this guy. You, you can keep the NFC East. I'm done with them. I can't wait for the NFC West to come out. One handicap match. And out comes the fighting 49ers and defeats all of them. And it's still a tragedy in Dallas. And it's still a tragedy with Philly. Send them all back to the NFC East. It'll be a Niners, Bengals, Super Bowl. And it's going to be a good one. Wow. Wow. You know what? Well put. I can definitely see that. I know that uh, Joe Montana actually way back in the day had a comeback win against the Bengals in the Super Bowl. So that, you know, that would be kind of, uh, that'd be some good history, right? That being said, I do like the fact that you mentioned 85. For uh, some of our listeners, Fofo actually puts down on his resume that he speaks Spanish just because of Ocho Cinco, which is 85 in Spanish. Which so it doesn't kind of work. I mean, you can kind of put it down, but I don't know if it actually works right. 
Yeah, I mean, at least we both have the Bengals coming up. <laughs> I, I, I respect that. Thank you for giving me some props on uh, my Spanish speaking. In case anyone wants to know, I did drop out of Spanish too in high school. So uh, I definitely cannot speak Spanish. I will not be going for resume, but I love me some Ocho Cinco. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, I like it. I like the fact that we neither of us took those Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> maybe maybe we end up jinxing Dallas and they end up actually making it to the Super Bowl. Who knows? Crazier things have happened, man. I think that was a fantastic episode as always. It's a pleasure. And I'm looking forward to getting back to the drawing board, looking at some of these spreads, and having some predictions for tomorrow night's episode, man. You done with that? Of course, eight, and I'm not going to let you escape this podcast without, you know, I, we, we like records, man. We both like combat sports. We like that kind of thing. Brother, I went five and one on my wild card weekend picks. I'm the king, and I hate to say it, but if y'all want to make money, y'all know who to contact. That said, Goggin, I, I seem to misplace my notes from earlier. Where, uh, What did you go this weekend, man? I, and, you know, I think it was really good, right? Yes, yeah, that was a disclaimer. By the way, it's not how you start – it's how you finish. All right. So yes, you're at five and one right now. And yes, I'm at two and four. But that's all right because man, we got more games coming up this week and we're gonna turn things around here. And worst case scenario, you can pick against me and make money as well. So it's really just, you know, up to you how you decide. But again, do it at your own risk. This is not financial advice. We're just doing this for entertainment. <laughs> Absolutely not. Hey, hey, we'll we'll just see who comes out ahead, you know, a little friendly McChicken wager on this and see uh, at the end of the playoffs who's got the uh, the higher win percentage. I think that that's a fun little thing there. Yes, in Hawaii prices as well. Not not on the mainland, man. We'll pay, we'll pay higher prices as well on these McChickens as well. That's a $5 McChicken. <laughs> I believe so. It's up there. Might be a little less than that, but give or take. Anywho, well, that's it for us tonight. Thank you for tuning in. Daily Football Report, Episode 9. Find us on Spotify. We're going to be on Apple as well as soon as I upload these here tonight. Thank you. Appreciate all the support. Till next time, we're out. Peace.